Welcome to Behind the Fiction, the book lover's podcast, where we deliver interviews, insights, and ideas to passionate book lovers who want to stay in the stories they love. I'm Alexa Larbrook, and this is episode 23 for October 15th, 2019, and today's guest is Craig Martell. In this episode, Craig and Steve chat about book seven in Craig's Judge, Jury, and Executioner series, The Art of Smuggling. Craig begins the episode by telling us the history of his beloved sweatshirt. This man is full of great stories, so you won't want to mess it. Then he and Steve chat about why he chose a female protagonist for this series, how he came up with the title for this series, and the upcoming 20 Books Conference in Vegas. Hey, don't miss out on all the awesome things coming to you from LMBPN by making sure that you are subscribed to both this podcast and our YouTube channel. Now, let's get to the show. Coming to you live from the subarctic, and live being the key word, he asked why I was wearing this uh, sweatshirt, and four years ago, a little over four years ago, I retired from consulting. I was home doing nothing, and I thought, hey, let me clean up the yard. Let me do this. We have two acres, and so I was doing stuff, and I needed to start a fire, and there were, there was some uh, issues with it burning, so uh, I, I, needed, I needed to give it some help, and, and I took a shower in gasoline and was lit on fire. I was a, I was a human torch. Well, this sweatshirt, which I got at Walmart for like $7.99, is cotton, so it didn't burn. My uh, blue jeans didn't burn. I was wearing leather leather gloves, so uh, I did get second-degree burns on my leg, and my lower leg is all gooned up still because of that. But that's why I got into writing, because I couldn't be trusted to doing uh, manly man stuff, like uh, uh, starting fires with uh, with gasoline, which don't ever do that. It's really bad. Use kerosene or just hire somebody uh, else to do it. <clears throat> so this is this saved my life because uh, it, it was doused in gasoline, but it wouldn't burn. So it just surface topically burned off. And uh, so I'm wearing this until it completely rats out and come and falls apart because it saved my life and it started my writing career. I have to say it looks good. And that that is a great story. So thank you for sharing that. And now I can see why one of the themes of your writing, or at least your post-apocalyptic writing, is stuff gets really bad really quickly. Because when yeah. you're just out trying to light a fire and you set yourself on fire, that's, uh, there's something going on there. Oh, I, I remember uh, the uh, uh, Dick Van Dyke, Stop, Drop, and Roll. Because I, I looked down, I was completely on fire. And it, it's instant panic. And when you panic, you, you, you only remember very, very simple things. And so I threw myself, it's Alaska, right? So I threw myself into a snowbank and, and rolled and I could get most of it out except on my leg because the uh, lower part of my leg had gotten the most of the gasoline and it was completely soaked and it just wouldn't go out. And so I'm trying to pat it out with my gloved hands and dumping snow on it. And then I'm outside, I take my pants off and my skin is just peeling away. It was really, uh, it, it was a, it was a, a, a great time to be inside and writing. <laughs> and so a life-changing moment for you. You could either spend a lot more time in the hospital as you try and hone your manly man skills, or you could decide to, you could become a writer. Yes, yes. And that, and that was it. Simple as that. No, I, I actually never went to the hospital. 
I'm like, okay, they're going to put dry gauze on it. They're going to do this. They're going to, they're going to ask me what the hell I was doing. And I don't want to answer that question. I'd rather wait four years and do it on in public where everybody can hear. Exactly. And that's, that's maybe that's a Marine thing because I've got a friend who was a Marine and he, he fell on a fishing boat and landed on something and had this big gash in his arm. And I'm like, I don't see any stitches there. And he's like, no, I mean, there was some skin hanging there and I cut it off and then I taped it up and I'm good. It's like, yeah. all right, I yeah. guess that's the way you guys roll. That's a, a, when I did my exit physical from the Marine Corps, 20 years, right? Uh, hey, good Marine, uh, all, all beat up. She said, uh, you still have a broken leg as she was going through my uh, medical record. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, that, that, <laughs> that follow-up appointment with the doc didn't exactly work for me, so I cut it off myself. I cut off the cast uh, myself. <laughs> and she said, has it healed? It's been like seven years. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's fine. So that was, the, I, yeah, that was, that was my exit, my medical exit uh, brief. Uh, yeah. After that, I'm sure they couldn't wait to get you out of there. <laughs> yes. And, and, and the thing was, because I was an officer when I retired, the person who did my exit brief was actually the head of the hospital, a, a, an army colonel, a, 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 a female colonel about five foot one. And she's looking at me and she's rolling her eyes. And I'm like, I, I actually deserve this. <laughs> so she said, you had a broken hand that you didn't follow. I'm like, no, I didn't follow up on that either. You had a broken leg. You didn't, I, no, I didn't follow. <laughs> so we yeah. actually are, we're, we're going to be talking about books today. We're, we're getting into it. And Craig has really set this up brilliantly because that's, that's the kind of great thinker he is. He's written a, he's written a series. Some of you will be familiar with it. Um, and there's a new book coming out that actually came out yesterday because we're, this will be releasing the day after uh, The Art of Smuggling is released. But, so you, you're talking about your, your com the completion of your military career, um, you know, the, the incomplete nature of your health care while you were in the, in the Marines. And then self, you, self uh, incomplete because of me, not yes. because of any problems with the military health care. Yes. And, and so then somehow or other you became an attorney. Yeah. So what's the story well, I, there? That you didn't set yourself on fire or anything between the two instances? Now I, I had a job that was less than uh, gratifying. I went and worked uh, for the Department of Homeland Security after I retired. And I saw some things. I'm like, there's, there's no way this stuff is legal uh, from the government side. And so I'm like, I, I can't be a part of this. So I left and said, I, I'll go to law school because I think it's not legal, but I need to know why. And so, yeah, three years of law school, graduated summa cum laude, hooray for me, got uh, into business consulting then because that JD having a doctorate, and it's a mm -hmm. juris doctor, got me into the corner offices because the uh, consulting company required at least a master's degree uh, because of uh, having to get people into the corner office. Uh, working with CEOs and Fortune 500 companies, you can't have, uh, uh, let's say, folks who aren't more... Uh, and I don't want to use the term, well, I guess worldly, but well-educated because you have to deal at CEO level. Now, other folks can, but it was an easy discriminator because otherwise they had a lot of, uh, they had too many applicants. So took that, passed some pretty strenuous interviews and got into the corner office and uh, worked business consulting. So that's what I did and traveled way too much, got paid mm -hmm. really, really well, but, but traveled way too much. And finally, I, I, I had enough of that and uh, wanted to be home. And, and so then you became a writer. You wrote a lot of post-apoc, post uh, space opera, 
any number of different things, but not, nothing where, where the main character was an attorney until this new series, um, Judge, Jury, and Executioner, which launched about a year series. ago, I think. Yeah, and th- yes. yeah, this is one of your favorite series. I, I love this series because it brings together everything from my background. Uh, they they do some uh, some combat situations because people don't necessarily uh, appreciate a lawyer coming in and with the title of judge, jury, and executioner, she's she's not just going to go in and try the case. It she can find them guilty and she can punish them. So she has her team and uh, and people can be fairly combative. So I, I roll in my marine experience. Uh, I was intelligence in the Marine Corps. So how do you get the information, which actually works well as a lawyer? How do you consolidate all this information and can make it concise into a brief and fit it within the legal code? So I do that, but now I, I keep that really mild. I, I don't want to kill people with the legalese, even though I do throw in Latin every now and then, but just very small and, uh, and I define it for you and, uh, and we move on. So it's a little bit of a, a Judge Dredd meets Boston Legal. But it, so my favorite characters and they their banter because this team is so disparate. Mm-hmm. With uh, you have the the legal eagle who was the head of her class, and uh, how she deals with the legal issues when the rest of her team, uh, red people people uh, ask me about red, and if you're I'm a huge huge Firefly fan all all 13, 14 episodes, and that's that's Alec Baldwin in Serenity. So if you want any kind of uh, a visualization of red, just put it in Alec Baldwin's voice and you got it. So why a uh, wh- why a female protagonist for this series? Because your earlier series, I, I don't I don't know that anything you've written that's non LMBPN has a female protagonist. Uh, maybe um, is, really, is this no. so? Why a female protagonist for this one? It it actually didn't matter. Uh, it was just. She had been a character in a previous uh, one that just brought her in. Uh-huh. And, and for that scene, the one small scene, I needed somebody who was shorter. So I just made, I made it a female because, uh, you know, just shorter, right? And uh, so there's the generalization. Nobody get mad. Nobody get <laughs> mad <clears throat> in my mind. So, and that character, and it, she was, she became a popular character, even though uh, just a small cameo. And it's like, hey, let's let's do that. Let's take that character and make a whole new series. Interesting. So simple, simple as that was simply because I needed a short person because of the relationship to the bar in the visuality of that scene. And you're just publishing the seventh book in a series featuring that character from a decision you made a few years ago on yes. uh, based on the height of a character. Yep. Yep. That, that right. was it. And and the, you have some. This is part of the Cretherian universe. And there's uh, there, there's some crossover uh, from the Bad Company series, which goes all the way back to Terry Henry Walton, the, the Terry Henry Walton Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you just, well, I guess because she was a character in, in yeah. probably in one of the Bad Company stories yes. is where she turned exactly. up. Exactly, exactly. That's when uh, Terry Henry Walton won all of those credits because of his uh, not swearing. I wrote one book where he didn't swear because, uh, I mean, the creative swearing, uh, humorous, that's all. Uh, we have it as the uh, the disclaimer on the blurbs. Yes. But that one is like, hey, I'm going to write a book where where they don't swear. And uh, you'll you'll notice actually in Executioner 7, the book that came out yesterday now, uh, that I, I tapered it way back. And just so I wanted to see if the fans would notice. <clears throat> and uh, 
So Terry Henry Walton, they started betting. Hey, no way. You can't go days without swearing. You can't go minutes without swearing. And so he won and he won all these credits and bought a bar uh, with his money. So all guns blazing, but all guns blazing is a franchise. Now you have legal people involved because the franchisee has to follow the rules for the franchise. So that's where we introduced Riefka as the, uh, the Queens barrister. And how about, how about you personally? Once you, I'm going to assume that the swearing toned down a little bit between the Marines and your gig as a consultant, but then you become an author and you start working with Michael Anderley. So I was fine. My first nine books had no swearing in them. And then came Michael and he's like, Oh, Hey man, you might have to ratchet that up a little bit. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I'm Marine. I I actually used my lifetime quota of the F bomb during my 20 years in the Marine Corps. So I, I actually don't have any left. And he said, I bet you do. I bet there's some in there. Yeah. And you learned all these cool new words in law school. And, oh. and uh, yeah, then you just had to, you had to go back. You had to go back to those, uh, the days of yeah. Uh, your. Yeah. Yeah. Cause as a business consultant dealing with uh, CEOs and in the corner offices, I know some of our guys did, but I personally avoided that because uh, trying to ratchet up the professionalism because these CEOs, they had to go to, like one had to run off to Washington, D.C. to meet with the president's staff on, on uh, uh, funding for the carrier, for the uh, CVN 78, for the Gerald R. Ford. And you don't talk to him and, and be dropping F-bombs and stuff, and then he's going to run up in, in D.C. I mean, and because this was a, a while ago. And no, no, there's, there's better ways to do that and better ways to communicate. You make every word count. How how did you come up with the theory? I mean, the whole idea of judge, jury, and executioner. <clears throat> I wanted a character who could do it all because otherwise, if she could only do part of it, then I would be strapped into having to then go capture people and drag them off to a place where we would have to conduct a trial. And that would drag the story down and be boring as hell. So I wanted something. I, I wanted to shortcut that process. We could still have have trials, and I did that in Executioner Six, which was very very well received. I think that was uh, uh, considered one of my best books ever by the readership. The readers loved that book and they loved that story. And about half of it, thirty thousand words, I think, was the trial part mm-hmm. of of it, because it was ancillary. It was bigger than just Riefka, the or or uh, the magistrate within the series. So. Uh, we did a little bit of that in book seven, a little bit of uh, a little bit of court case, but still it's, it's the chase, the hunt. Uh, this one's a little bit of a whodunit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I enjoyed that. And I'm seeing some of the uh, uh, JIT comments ancillary uh, from my insider team. And they said uh, they, they do really like it. They liked how it turned out. They saw it through about 15,000 words and it ended up at 66,000. I usually get them involved for the first half just to mm-hmm. make sure that it's on track. And then I, I pull it away and I, I do the rest of it. And then they see it when it pops up in JIT to read the rest of it. Well, this seems to be the rare series that's growing in popularity. Most, most series, they start out at a certain level. And then after you get to, you know, you mentioned the sixth book, the last book, people saying this is the best one. Um, yeah. In a lot of cases, by the sixth book, the interest is waning in a series. But uh, book six for you really, really amped up the interest in the series again. It, it did. It it was a huge, huge win. And uh, uh, Michael Anderley and I was talking uh, when we were storming Area 51. 
which which we did. I have uh, I have the vodka. Hang on. And while Craig is doing that, I can I can share a story that um, I, someone was asking me where Michael was one time, and I said, believe it or not, he and Craig are at Area Fifty One today. And oh, that's nice. Yes, that's we nice. Uh, we bought souvenirs. We stormed of the course hell you did. Of the Area Fifty One souvenir shop, and uh, and visited the bathroom because it's a long ass drive to get out there, <clears throat> and and I drink too much coffee. <clears throat> so, and the, and uh, you know you were in, you were in town in Las Vegas on business. You're busy, Michael's busy, and you guys took a day to go to Area uh-huh. 51. And, well, our, we were there getting ready for the conference, something that we do separate. So we spent a lot of time together over the course of three days, and most of it uh, telling, telling butt jokes and, and stuff that uh, really <laughs> off color and, and having a good time, eating too much. But uh, one thing that he said, he keeps asking me, what is your real goal? What is your goal? And I said, I want that one book that will sell 100,000 copies. And he said, your last book, it's the sixth in the series, but can you make it a standalone? So I am going to take Fratricide and rewrite it as a standalone, even though it'll still be Riefka, it'll still be mm-hmm. 95% of book six, but it uh, it's going to be standalone. So I need to go back in and, and make sure that I tweak it and, and anything Cartharian Gambit canon mm-hmm. is explained more as opposed to just assuming that people know stuff. And then we're going we're gonna to hit that and, and present it as like a second edition of Fratricide. It won't be book six. It'll just be Judge Jury and Executioner Fratricide. Well, that's one of the things that I really admire, admire about both you and Michael is this willingness to try things. And I mean, this is, that's something completely different. Mm-hmm. Well, just because the whole story, though, it's, a, it's like iRobot in its uh, intensity of the issue that's discussed and in a way that's fresh. <clears throat> so the, the readership, that one, I think we're up to 82 reviews on book six, which is right behind uh, and closing in on book two. Yeah, which series. is amazing. Yeah, normally you yes. can just see the decrease in reviews as, as, a, as a series gets longer. Yep. But yeah, yep. this one, it's just like it, there was the, the normal dip and then whew, starts shooting back up again. Yeah, because people are saying, hey, look at this. And also that one to four, book, putting books one to four <clears throat> into a box set, I think that changed the dynamic a little bit because it, it enabled people to get into the series. And as we've seen from all of our data, if somebody gets to book three, they keep reading. And that's what, and because at that point, it's like they're invested in the characters and these characters continue to grow. The banter in the latest book, I think, is some of the best ever. So uh, once you go to book six, you'll, you'll uh, I hope, love it. Uh, leave a leave, leave a review, and then go to book seven and say, "I, I love these characters. I want to be on the ship with them, hanging out in the in the galley, while they're uh, complaining about the food." And, yeah, and, uh, this, I, I actually wrote the uh, first two pages of book eight yesterday. Oh, really? You're on it. Well, I was working. I was working with my insider team, mm-hmm. and I said, "I, I, how about this for a plot idea?" Because I really didn't have anything in mind. And they said, "Hey, I love that." And I'm like, and I asked them what are the open loops from book seven? What plot things did I leave hanging? I just wanted to see, uh, I, I, I left one that might've been kind of major. I didn't think it was, I thought I, I answered it. And they didn't find that one, so I guess I didn't leave it, the one I was worried about. But they brought up about five or six others, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's, I, I will continue the story and of course address those. And one of them was big right up front. I'm like, that one, I gotta write that scene right now, and I did. 
Okay, you mentioned a conference coming up. Uh, a lot of people who are fans of LMBPN, fans of Craig Martell, know that you put on this conference that's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger as the years go by. It's, this is a worldwide thing, but the, the original home of the conference is Las Vegas. Yes. And this year, how many registrants do you have? Oh, 1,100. And you know who registered today? And didn't you cut it off at 1,000? I, I did. I cut it off at a thousand. But once we, once Michael and I went and met with the hotel, uh-huh. we can easily handle eleven hundred. So okay. we're up to almost eleven hundred. And <clears throat> the general manager for ACX registered. He's coming. Holy cow! Wow. Yeah. So this is. I, I'm pretty sure this is not hyperbole, but it, this is the biggest indie conference in the world, right? Indie author conference in the world. By far. Yeah. By by, far, by, yes. by a large margin. Yeah. Yes. And how many countries have you had this in so far where you've had either a, a, a 20 books to 50K meetup or an actual conference? Oh, geez. We've done, uh, we've done meetups in, uh, in London. We've had a con- well, we had a conference in London, a conference in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland. We had one in uh, uh, Adelaide. We've got coming up uh, Australia. We had one in Bali, Indonesia. We've uh, done Vegas. This will be the third time. And then uh, we also did a short uh, uh, a luncheon in uh, New Zealand. Michael has done one in Germany. So uh, all around the world, wherever we go, there are there are twenty books people, there are fans, and we try to set something up. Oh, we did Woodland Hills too. Not quite Burbank, definitely not in <laughs> L.A. Unless you want to argue about it, then L.A. too. It was a very it was a very long name for that mm-hmm. conference. But, uh, mm-hmm. Twenty books, uh, Woodland Hills, yeah. All right. So if, if you're signed up for the conference, um, it's, it's going to be fun. It's always fun. First conference was what, like 160 or something like that? That's what we planned for, but we scaled up. We had 420 actually at that first conference. Oh, for the first one? Okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we planned for 160 grown. because we asked and, and people came on board like, oh, okay, hey, it's only 100 bucks. I mean, and, and uh, because we've had to grow, we, it's only up to 140 for three full days. Yes. And that's one of the things that's amazing about this conference. There are lots of author conferences around the country, around the world that are extremely <coughs> expensive for a three-day conference. Um, this, is, this is held, you've chosen a hotel purposely that's not super expensive so that yep. indie authors who are not making a fortune can afford to come and stay. It's, you know, it's less than $150 for the conference itself. There are some meals included. Um, it, it's just amazing. It's an amazing value in the education that you get and you're recording everything and you just make all this stuff available. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Actually we're recording all of the, we're recording, geez, I think 55 or 60 sessions that then are going to be available on YouTube. Anybody can watch them. So these presentations, we're not going to charge. We can't charge for them because each presenter that's their intellectual property. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to hassle with any of that. It's just, it's available for free. Uh, on uh, the 20 Books Vegas Facebook group, as well as it'll be free on YouTube after the show, whenever we get to uh, uploading it. And I remember at the close of the first, uh, the first 20 books, and you, maybe you do this at, at, every, at every event, I'm not sure about this, but at the close of the, of the first show, you, you went up on stage and said, well, we accidentally made a profit of X. I forget what it was. It might have been a few hundred dollars because yeah. the, the expenses were a little bit less than you thought. So it's like, so yeah. we're, we're writing a check to this. I, mm-hmm. I don't remember who it was, but essentially you just gave the money to charity. This is not yeah. a money-making event, despite the incredible amount of time that you put into it. It's in London, we were actually way over because uh, 
when you hold something in London, when they tell you it's 10 pounds, and then uh, by the end of the day, it's still 10 pounds. In Vegas, if they tell you it's $10, by the end of the day, it's 20. So I, I used that estimate when we did London. In London, no, I, I, I had 8,000, 7,000 pounds left Oh my over. gosh. And so we, we just refunded everybody 50 pounds. Like here, have, have, take your money back. <laughs> Uh, because we had, so it was like 7,500 pounds we had left over because I had used the Vegas model of whatever they tell you add 30%. So, so if you're uh, listening to this, we gave it back. If you're listening to this and thinking, man, I really need to come to this conference. You do need to come next year, Um, (laughs) but you need to jump on it quickly. How long did it take to sell out the conference this year? We sold out in 31 minutes. (laughs) In March, eight months before the show, we sold out in 31 minutes. Yes, so you need to be following. I mean, there, there obviously there's a Facebook group. There's a uh, the 20 Books Vegas website. You need to know when this is going to open up so that you can jump on it right away because it closes quickly. And we were what 400 more. We you you were 400 more registrations this year than last year, or 500 now maybe. Yeah, yeah, because we uh, we registered a thousand people that day. Yeah. So it's incredible. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it uh, because I get to just go and hang out. I don't have to work like a dog 19 hours a day. <clears throat> and I'm probably, uh, I'm probably not including enough hours in the day for you while you're there. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, I run out of hours before I run out of stuff to do in, in Vegas. But it'll be a great show. Uh, we've got some great rooms. Uh, we've got some great presenters. We have uh, the thing that's overwhelming this year is industry professionals mm-hmm. like uh, Tantor is bringing three. They just registered their three people. Ron Formica, their head of acquisitions, is leading that team. <clears throat> so look for uh, look for him. Uh, we're still working. Uh, uh, hopefully, Dreamscape will be able to join us. But uh, and uh, podiums there. I mean, these are all audiobook vendors. Yeah. Yep. Podium is there. Uh, Tantor's there. ACX is there. Their head of ACX. Uh, and also audible the uh uh look at written word media free booksy bargain booksy for if, uh, if you're a member of either one of those lists i didn't know they were coming i didn't know they, know that. they well they're still they're still out uh, i've uh, they might they might bring two people and i'll know today's friday i'm supposed to know today okay so this is this is going to be big if if you're uh, count yourself lucky if you're going to be there this year and if not uh, really make plans to to try and come next year if you're if, you're an, if you're an author yeah we're scaling up to a fifteen hundred for twenty twenty, so uh, look for look for that growth, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, get everybody registered, and and it'll be okay, and we won't have uh, uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth for people who missed the uh, the sign up. Yes, or we won't have wailing and gnashing of teeth for Steve when he has to come and beg you to to squeeze somebody in, because yeah. that's I yeah. have to tell you that's painful uh, to try. Oh and yeah, it should, it, it should be. It should be. Uh, you should offer more there's a (laughs) maybe that's maybe that's the problem so to recap the book part of this behind the fiction episode and uh and yes i'm i'm sort of mesmerized by that now so we've been talking about judge jury and executioner craig mentioned there is a box set available for the first four volumes or the first four titles in the series book seven the art of smuggling uh was released yesterday And Craig, congratulations on the book. Congratulations on all your success as an author. Congratulations on not killing yourself when you set yourself on fire with that with that shirt. And uh, look forward to chatting with you again. It was a catalyst for great things, man. That's what I like to think. 
So I love this sweatshirt. It has saved, it's, you can, one thing, it saved my life. So uh, yes, yes, uh, I love this sweatshirt, man. Craig Martell, thanks for being here. Thank you.